So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast and feels like a couple of weeks since I've been able to say it but I'm joined by a full complement of brothers, Toby and Leo, both here with me this weekend and I wish it was a happier time to come together boys but we got a, we got a little bit of um, disappointment and depression um, setting in pretty early in this Super Rugby season. Mate, first time Tars have started 0-3 and three ever. Um, sitting right down bottom of the table at the moment. So as a Tars fan, not a lot of positivity there, but we're seeing some good things, say, for the Reds and on and off from the Brumbies as well. So there's a little bit of light there for Australian rugby, light at the end of the tunnel, but the Tars really need to pick themselves up. Yeah, I'm glad I picked up an extra Aussie team this year. Even though they lost, they were very competitive, and I think there's a lot more hope in the Reds than the Tars this year. Uh, Brumby's unlucky, um, really did all the work and then gave it up at the last. So um, it mixed mixed emotions this week, Arch. Definitely mixed emotions. Yeah, well, we'll take a deep dive into that Waratahs-Rebels clash in a little bit, but we'll blast through some of the other games of this round. On Friday, we had the Blues coming back and sort of staying with the Crusaders for a little bit, but the Crusaders bouncing back from that loss, winning this one 25-8, and the Blues uh, lose two at home to start off the season. Um, the Sunwolves made another valiant showing against a Chiefs team, um, but Chiefs proved too strong in the end, 43-17. to And the Canes returned home from their South American and South African trip and took down the Sharks team, maybe a little bit undone by injury in this one, but 38-22, the Hurricanes open up their home season with a win. And the Brumbies pipped at the buzzer by the Highlanders, 22-23, the Highlanders getting a late score to take away that hope for a a three-in-a-row win for the Brumbies. And the same story, really, for the Lions and Stormers. Uh, The Stormers coming to town, and it took to the 82nd minute to break back across and get a last-ditch try to Rowan Nell to keep the Stormers unbeaten in 2020. And then, yeah, you mentioned it, the Reds. Maybe it was a little bit of controversy with some of the refing calls, definitely on the wrong side of the whistle in this one. Uh, but 43-27, Red started off with four quick tries in the first half, but then couldn't add much to it in the second. Yeah, and I couldn't, I couldn't quite um, get myself to to tip the Reds in such a um, tough home, uh, so tough away match. Uh, the Haguara is looking strong, but yeah, definitely some some things there you wouldn't expect to go against the Reds every week. What looked like a strong scrum not getting the run of the whistle and, you know, the yellow card. Hopefully that's not happening to the captain every week is the important player in their side. So I, I still back them. They've, they've got through a hard leg of their season already with a bit of touring. So hopefully they've learned a bit and they'll bring it home strong. Yeah, we predicted that it might be tough for the Reds starting off and they were likely to start off with a 0-3 start. Uh, but luckily they've got two bonus points out of those first three games. But let's take our deep dive this week, guys, and it's into the Rebels versus the Waratahs in a wet and windy um, night down there in Melbourne. And the Tars, smashing them 33-3. Took it away. Oh, so good. What? Not quite. 33 kicks kicks to three or something. Throwing possession away in the rain. What are you guys talking about? They were great. I think 33, wasn't 30, no, it was 43-0 first meeting between these two teams 10 years ago or something. It's it's changed quite a bit since then. Oh, did you think we're still talking about the men's? Oh, no, I've, I've uh, scrapped the, scrapped uh, the uh, men's team completely. I'm focusing on Super W now, which the Waratahs women still have a scrap of respect and showed up against that Rebels women's team. Three tries to Maya Stewart on the side. Okay. All right, we'll we'll get into the men's then. Twenty-four to ten, and 
There wasn't Andrew, much. Andrew Kellaway with a double. Yeah, against yeah, the trader. old against Trade the old team Come, coming off the bench. Yeah, he he showed up there. And probably the biggest biggest takeaway I had from this is Ryan Lawrence. He speaks very much like a South African, but he's a Western Force halfback. He's come back from Japan, and he and he looks pretty good. Well, interestingly enough. Uh, Vessels had to actually remove Frank Lamani from the the match day 23. Yeah. Because he had too many foreign-born players or foreign-eligible players. I'm not sure how they actually um, classify this, but um, Frank Lamani off the bench, had to be taken out of the squad, didn't get a game. So obviously Ryan Lawrence impressing because Frank Lamani started the season as the first choice number nine. That's and right. Now Ryan Lowndes seems to be keeping him out of the, out of that starting squad, even at the detriment of of the reserves and under these rules, I guess. I think he looked really good. Like I suddenly saw articles popping up early this week, following the round, talking about the the depth of Australian halfbacks, which I think we were aware of a few other other guys, you know, a couple of young players at the Reds. All the guys that have been sitting behind Phipps and Genia for the last few years. And, uh, yeah, Lauren's was definitely in the mix in, in those articles and opinion pieces. So he's impressing across the board. He's pretty dynamic. He's he's delivering the ball fast and he's very physical. So um, all, all good fundamentals for him to to have developing early in the season, get a combination with Matt Tamuo, who's an incumbent wallaby, good guy to be playing alongside. Well, it's kind of reminiscent of some of the bigger nines that have come out of Wales and Ireland, guys mm. like Connor Murray, Mike Phillips, just bigger bodies, um, able to really front up in defence. Gets and, involved yeah, in the I've, ruck as well. Gets himself in there if he sees no yeah. one's there, which is, a, I know, a criticism that, Leo, you often have of some of our nines. Genia always like to just watch watch a ball get turned over. And yeah, in that power probably should. Shout out to McDermott. He's doing it really well at the moment. He's putting his body on the line. He'll kind of throw himself at the ball if he sees it under threat. But Lawrence, I saw this from him at the force. Um, and having, I guess, a step up to Super Rugby now once again, because I think he was playing Super Rugby for the force originally, he was, wasn't he? Yeah. When they were back in the competition. So yeah. he's he's been kind of patient, waiting in the wings a little bit to get another Super Rugby tr- contract. Got that under vessels now, um, and could be a real asset. I don't know if he's eligible for the Wallabies at the moment, or he, if he ever will be. But looks a quality player. So let's break down what we actually thought. Let's start with the Rebels. What did they do to pit the Waratahs in this game? This, I mean, did was it just a case of their backs getting a little bit more space? Was it was it Lawrence just freeing them up, getting a bit more go forward? Did their forwards actually stand up and actually take down the sort of Waratahs men? We've, we've said that both these packs are a relative weakness for these teams. I don't think the Waratahs could get much going at all. Like I, I feel more like the Waratahs lost this game than the Rebels really won it and took it away. Um, although they did pick up their pace and, and kept the energy up late in the game um, after what was you know pretty draining conditions uh, in the wet a lot of drop ball. The the forwards did sort of stick to their their plan for a bit longer. Uh, the Waratahs, you know, from the captain down in the forwards, they just they just seem invisible. They don't get the game line advantage. The the Rebels did eventually get that, um, and they had to you know the forwards had to pick up a bit of slack because they had some injuries in the backs too. So, um, and and then even there are uh, their guys off the bench. A couple of South Africans there, Elof and Kogelenberg. Um, they they performed pretty well as well. Like they brought a lot of physicality late in the game, and I don't think the Waratahs really stood up and matched it. I think they just got trampled. I think it came down a lot to some of the tactical kicking by the Rebels. I have to give some credit to Matt Tamur putting some balls in behind the Waratahs, keeping them down in their half. And I think you're right, Leo. They they lack penetration. The Waratahs in attack, they lack a bit of flair. Um, I'm not. I know the weather was pretty terrible, but handling was poor. The Rebels seemed to be able to hold onto the ball, ball a bit better. Their set piece was operating a little bit better than the Waratahs as well. And they're just yeah, they they seemed a bit more poised. I think the Waratahs 
tried to battle their way out of their own half and didn't kick the ball as well. And so in that, that wet weather, um, I think the, the Rebels just outsmarted them a little bit, frustrated them. And then Kellaway was able to kind of finish a couple of good tries on the wing there. So that's what it came down to. I don't think there's a huge amount between these two teams. Um, home field advantage maybe a little bit. Weather played a part. I just think the Rebels directed themselves around the park a little bit better, and that might have come down to Matt Tamur. Something maybe the Rebels had a bit more success in, and to be honest, I don't think either team was doing it brilliantly. They seemed to control their own ruck a bit better. Um, I've been noticing these early rounds, there seems to be a lot of ill-discipline at the ruck, and a lot of it's not getting pulled up. We get these odd penalties for infringements, which seemingly weren't as severe as others um, earlier in the game that went unpunished. So I, I think the Rebels may have just got the the run of the the run of the rucks in this one as well. Um, but I guess it's about effort and, and making sure you've got the numbers there. And, and if you're always contesting, then you give yourself a chance to get the run of the whistle. Well, they did cop it on the penalty count, 11 penalties to the... 11 penalties against the Tars versus only five against the Rebels. That, that's got to make a huge difference. And you're right, a lot of that was at ruck time. Um, a lot of ill-discipline with some of the Waratahs forwards not getting out of the way. And whether it was a fact Damon Murphy wasn't um, patrolling or refing the ruckers closely um, early on and then got, got a sense that the Tars were in the wrong and continued just along that sort of momentum, which... We've seen a couple of refs um, be a bit guilty of, especially in this round, of just choosing someone or one team to target, and they seem to just follow through with that. Yeah, feeling like think... a team has dominance and just only rewarding them. It's disappointing. I just think, again, going back to penetration with our attack, I think Jed Holloway needs to stand up. Jack Dempsey needs to stand up, carry the ball more physically. Hoops is trying to do everything on both sides of the ball which is maybe to his detriment. Um, I think he's probably lacking a little bit in attack now as well. It's um, it's a difficult one because we can't be relying on our tight five to be doing the carries. It has to be our back rowers. Um, I'm still not happy with Tom Staniforth in the second row with Rob Simmons. I think that's a real weakness. It actually looked a little bit better when Jed moved into the second row and we all know I'd prefer him there at number eight, but I think maybe the solution might be for him in terms of mobility and physicality to partner with Rob Simmons again in the second row. And that frees up a back row spot for Lockie Swinton maybe to slot into number six. And then you've got Hoops at seven and Dempsey at eight. And it also kind of, it might tie things over a bit until Hannigan gets back as well from injury. So there's a few options, but we do need to address these selections because I think the Fords just aren't putting it all together even when the the bench, which I thought was a real strength for the Waratahs going into the match, don't think they really, apart from maybe Lockie Swinton with some physicality, I think the bench was a bit lackluster as well. Uh, yeah, it's, there's a few issues across the park for the Tars at the moment. Is Rob Penny regretting taking this position right now, you think? <laughs> I think a little bit. I think he might be. He doesn't look happy. Um, he He comes from a... A career of, of success. He he has coached teams to, to titles in Canterbury, um, not the Crusaders, the provincial team. But it's um he's not used to losing like this. I don't think you can see the frustration on his face. Mm. He's giving them systems to implement, and they're not doing that. Um, and now he probably knows how um, Daryl Gibson was feeling the last few years because the Waratahs are just. They don't look like they have the intensity of a team like the Reds. They don't look like they have the discipline. Um, and they just look lethargic to me. I hope that they're giving Rob Penny some um, amount of leeway because this squad is a mess. And I think that's part of what, you know, in a big way, a part of what Daryl Gibson built was not a very well-structured squad lacking... Yeah, lacking lacking the the physicality um, at at a, at the right level. Like, there's a lot of guys like Swinton and Staniforth that like, they're physical, right? But it's kind of a a blunt, inaccurate physicality. It it doesn't Particularly really. Staniforth. I think yeah, it it just doesn't Swinton, penetrate. It's not, it's not is, precise enough. 
so so it's it's kind of wasted energy and it's it's a higher risk for them because they give away penalties as a result when it doesn't come off. It's very scattershot. So he's got he's got this core of forwards. You know, he's got Hooper who's a standout and trying to do the work of ten men. You guys like Dempsey who don't know what's happened to Dempsey. I mean, he used to be such a dominant runner and, and very dynamic at the ball offloading to some of the um supporting lines from the backs and other loose fours. It's, it's just not really happening. And it still just gets me that um, that Rob Simmons is this invisible captain. I don't think I saw the TV. I don't think I saw the TV cameras pan once to him having a conversation with the ref, trying to trying to get a point across. Like that's, that's just part of what it is being a captain now. Like it annoys me a bit seeing people, chew the ref's ear off but it's, it's necessary because if you're not doing it and you come up against a TJ Perinara um, or or um, you know even Liam Wright's actually been quite quite uh, assertive in the way he's approaching refs arguing the point like if you're not doing that then you're never going to get any turnaround when these refs seem to lean one way so that that just sort of epitomizes how the Waratahs pack look just like not, you know imprecise and lacking penetration I think same could be said with someone like Alatoa in terms of a first-year captain like that, but the Brumbies haven't needed him to do that as much. The Waratahs are in a position when you're where they're vulnerable. These little things, are mat- they matter. They, they add up. Um, and the inaccuracy of the Waratahs, just in the nature they play, if Simmons isn't drawing the attention of the ref to certain elements, it becomes a problem. So he's not inspirational in, the, in a loss, He's not leading from the front particularly. He's not vocal. He doesn't even seem too enthusiastic or optimistic about the season. It, it just seems like everything's a burden um, and he's not enjoying it. So it might be public perception of a few of those things, but as a captain and as a leader, you need to be putting on the right face at the right time and, and leading from the front, and he's not doing that. So what what do they do? I mean, we've said what we don't like about the team. We've said, like... Okay, Penny's inherited a squad that's flawed at uh, base level. I mean, we've been saying for a couple of years that they need to get more depth in their second round. They need to bring someone in, and yet they've continually not done that um, and not brought yeah. anyone in to do it. Like, does does he just write off this season from now and say, let's blow it up, let's tank, as they would say in like the NBA or something, <clears throat> and let's do what? the Reds did a couple of years ago, let's get our young guns in, let's blood our young guys and find some stars and get some combinations that are going to go together in the next two years or something. And you get rid of some of these other guys. You say you get rid of Simmons because you don't think there is a future for him at the club. Yeah, I think, look, I don't think it's tanking necessarily because there's no um, I mean, there's no benefit yeah, from doing that, from losing, but... You may say, look, we are fully in rebuilding mode now. We're going to give these guys opportunities. I'm, I'm like seeing Angus Bell start at loose set. I think that's great. Mm. He, he does have some flaws to his game, but you can see a lot of promise there. Um, hasn't quite got to the level, say, that someone like Harry Wilson has done straight off the bat for the Reds, but Angus Bell, definitely potential there at 19. Big loose head. Good technique in the scrums. He's... He's talking a lot. He's actually more apparent, you know, vocal on the field than even someone like Rob Simmons talking to the ref. So I've been impressed with him. I just think it's a time for the Waratahs to make those those strides in terms of blooding these young guys. And um, we've seen it with Nwanga Nitawase, Angus Bell. Um, who else we got in there? Will Harrison, obviously, at 10. Um, there's, there's a lot of promise in this team if you look at say half the guys in it it's just the other we need to clean out with some of these veterans that aren't pulling their weight um i think penny should have a couple of years at this before we judge him too harshly but um i think that the waratahs did come into the season thinking they would be a threat to the conference obviously they're not i don't think they have a chance of making the finals yeah i i can't remember what i said at the start when we when we ranked our our australian teams but it was either the Waratahs or the Rebels that were down the bottom, and it just feels like this team's bringing no momentum in. It doesn't have, it doesn't have a persona. It's got a lot of um, sort of senior guys or guys, whether or not they're senior in age or more more just time at the Waratahs. 
there's there's these forwards that have sort of been around and not maybe cracked the real upper echelons. And I think Simmons is sort of he he just you know just maybe top last year like he's kind of he he touched on that top form and, and has just regressed again. I don't think he's a guy that's going to inspire the rest of this team as the leader. Um, and we know that Hooper's not in that position, although he might be doing a bit more work of, on it behind the scenes. To be honest, I think Simmons wouldn't be captain by the end of the year if they had a couple of decent locks to put in instead of him. Um, it's definitely about giving these guys an opportunity, even in you know under duress, in a in a team that doesn't have everything set up, um, like a lot of senior players to hold hold a hold a level and let them develop. They're going to have to take a lot onto their shoulders, and it might break some of these guys, or it might be just the test they need. So seeing guys like Bell, guys like Harrison, um, I want I want to just see them play out the season. I, I don't remember enough about Mac Mason, unfortunately, to to want to see him come in. I think Will Harrison, you know, has shown sparks and just needs more time, and I think Rob Penny will probably uh, give him give him the opportunity to really play that out. So you think he um, should continue to start? Yeah, definitely. This, you get nothing out of you get nothing out of swapping these guys every couple of weeks. There's no continuity for either of them. Rob Penny's got to have, and I'm sure he does, a clear strategy for what he wants from this team, what style of rugby he wants them to play. Uh, hopefully, he's looking at the assets he has and creating tactics that suit their their skill set, rather than coming in and saying this is the type of rugby. I think I want to see you play and trying to force it on guys who don't suit it. Like it's that first season where maybe he's seeing if the guys can fit his mold. And after this, he'll, he'll shed some dead wood, recruit hard into the right, recruit the right skill set to suit his, his match. I think Will Harrison and Angus Bell and those young guys are, and he, you know, Harry Johnson, Holmes, uh, Hooper's very flexible, adaptable guys like Clark and Maddock and, and Newsom and, they're all they're all got good skills. I think there's potential there, but I just don't think it's going to happen this season. I think there's a lot of dead wood up front, which my, probably won't won't make the cut by the end of the year. My worry, Arch, is that <laughs> in desperation of of trying to find a win, they drop Harris into the bench. They put KB into ten, similar to what they've done with the at the Reds with O'Connor there at ten, mm. a bit of a more experienced leader in that playmaker role. And then you'll see Maddox drop to 15 to free up a wing spot for Nwanga Nitawase and maybe Clark on the other wing or Newsom. Um, I see them doing something drastic like that because the system's not quite working. When I think the play is to stick with Harrison, um, persevere, let's not have another Mac Mason situation where he Mm. completely loses his confidence because he's gone zero and three. Because the guy hasn't played that badly and he's got potential in his goal kicking. I think he's got a good rugby brain. He's just, he's not getting good go forward from his forwards. Yeah. So he's not getting the platform to work off. He's not getting the time to work with. I think things aren't in his favor right now and dropping him is not the answer. I just think uh, Rob Penny might get desperate and, and go for an option like that. Tell you what I'd like to see, and it's something that I've noticed in a couple of the Australian teams with these young number 10s. The biggest difference it seems to make, and I saw it particularly, the most, the best way to see it was probably with the Brumbies um, on the weekend. Noel Alessio has looked great in the last two weeks. Late um, injury to Ire Simone, and they bring in Len Ikutau into 12, and suddenly he doesn't have that stabilising presence that can take a bit of pressure off outside him um, and things start to fall apart a little Mm -hmm. bit. He feels the pressure a bit more. And while I think Carmichael Hunt's a good player, I'm not sure he is the stabilising force for Will Harrison that that someone like KB could be. And I acknowledge it's probably not ideal to put KB into 12, but maybe that is what you need to do to help Will Harrison embrace um, this game and just get a bit more confidence going so he doesn't feel that he's the sole person there. Maybe KB can do it from 15, but it just seems like having a solid number 12 that you know that can take take up a bit of that slack might help him. Yeah, I actually really like that call. I think um, if, if they were going to do a bit of a shuffle, again, we've got to remember that Rob Penny's going to have some 
plan in mind, a style of rugby. It may not be sort of the, the twin pivots, 10-12 style that, that other teams uh, choose to use. Uh, Carmichael Hunt hasn't looked like his damaging ball running self, so mm. I wouldn't be adverse to to seeing that change happen. And I, I think there is opportunity there maybe for Beal to um, get a bit closer into Harrison, a bit more talk, um, make make a better combination there, create a bit of uncertainty in the midfield with, with what's going to happen. Um, you sacrifice you know, that potential counter from fullback that Beal brings, but I, I honestly think you could probably have Maddox back there and, and um, you know, you, you've got another very solid player at the back makes pretty good decisions most of the time, is very, very trustworthy, leaves your wing yeah. spots open. I don't, I don't know where that leaves Carmichael Hunt, whether I he's capable of having 13. 13. Yeah, yeah, that's... He's played, oh, that's, he's played yeah, there he for the Reds, I think, a few times. Mm. So, so that's an option. Again, it's more change. Maybe you don't want to change every week. If you're going to make a change, maybe three to four games in, you go, okay, this isn't working. Let's make this solid change. Hold to it for a few more weeks. But I, I really don't want to see Will Harrison dropped it. It would just remind me of the... My analogy would be the cricket merry-go-round of, of opening batsmen where we just couldn't seem to settle on an opening batsman or, an, or a three for years. And they never really let someone string together more than a tour or two. And at the slightest hint of poor form, they'd drop them. And you'd bring someone else in that was playing in form in a lower competition mm. and they wouldn't necessarily stick it in the in the national game. And it just... It just made everyone fragile mentally because none of them had managed to, to do it. And when they came back in, they were living under fear of being dropped. We, we need to back these young players and, and have them stick around for a year. And it might be a losing year and it might be hard, but they'll learn a lot. They'll, they'll pick up the pace of the game and they'll be so much better for it. And you won't have rocked their confidence by saying, oh, we're, we're going to drop you at the hint of poor form. Yeah, Gordon Harrison is definitely the future. And we need to understand that, um, work on that combination. Three games is enough to see a little bit, but you can't when it's good, it's been good. on three games. Yeah. So we saw a glimpse of, of what the Tars can do in that first game against the Crusaders for a bit of, a bit of the time. But since then, they've been largely disappointing. Um, they've got the bye, but then they come back. Hoyles had said they're going on to South Africa. I think he said it to Simmons, and Simmons was like, what? They're playing the Lions <laughs> at Bank West yeah, yeah, at home, yeah. and, and then they're playing the Chiefs at home, I think, as well. Yeah. yeah. So a couple of tough, tougher games. You know, I think the, the buyer's coming at a good time, though, so happy with that. But they've got, they've got a lot to work on the next two weeks. I actually think we should be more worried about a team who's not in a rebuilding phase, who should have you know, much more success based on the incumbent combinations and yet the rebels have looked terrible like this is a team which this is i still think wessels probably has the most pressure of any coach he's had his pick of all these particularly the backs um he's he hasn't lost that many players he's brought in developing players to support the established players and these guys look terrible most of the time they're very reliant on hodge and tamua's tactical kicking hodge went out with injury they just looked a bit lost and, and a bit of spark from Callaway coming on maybe with a bit of vigour against his old team kind of pulled them out of the fire late in the game. It, it's very unconvincing from the Rebels and I actually think they're, because they're not in that rebuilding phase, they're, they're going to be far more questions floating around about them than the Waratahs. Is there a forward you think makes the Wallabies other than Nasirani and the Rebels? Maybe Matt Phillip. Think he's, That's really he's standing up. Yeah. Um, Did you see that? Um, is, is a mess still. Skillful. The props are a mess. I still like what Rangi does. I can't really fault him too much. But I'm just kind of sick of seeing Ross Hallett Petty playing at, at lock. This seems to be playing between positions. Makes it. He's a bit clumsy. Makes a fair few mistakes. Uh, I don't know. They can do better than that. I think they need they need a bigger lock to partner. He's a Phillip. bit Rob Rob Simmons esque, isn't he? Yeah, or well, Dean Mum. Hey, hey, hey. Reminds me of a poor man's Dean Mum, and I mean yeah, Dean Mum. Dean Mum already. That. Yeah. Did you um, see, did you see that um, Bordeaux has re-signed Luke Jones and nipped him back over to France? What is he That's gone or he's going? He's gone. 
That was kept very quiet. Mm. So I think I think there must have been some cause for him to get out of his contract if maybe if it's because <laughs> he didn't make the Wallabies or something. But yeah, he's he's returned back to Bordeaux, um, replacing um, Nakatawa, the Fijian um, second rower that they lost. He's the sort of guy who could have come in and again brought experience of you know multiple styles of play. Um, just shored up the the guts of that board pack. Um, yeah, they've got and to that, stop those... rotating. Like they started with Leota at six, I think, or, or seven, and then yeah, he was Cottrell at seven and Cottrell at six, and then and then... now he's on the bench. Yeah, like what is Cottrell's being? Cottrell's killing it. Can you bench him? Yeah, Cottrell was your captain. I don't, I don't understand the selection too. I don't know if it's a resting thing and they're trying to keep them fresh early or like work them into the season. They keep saying, they keep bringing up last year how they started so well and they're like, we're not making that mistake this year. We're not definitely not going to start well. Doing well well burning it. Yeah, making sure. they're definitely not. (laughs) You'd rather win first seven games and fall over and still nearly make the finals than the performances they put in. I think that since the second half of the Brumbies game though, Particularly through the play of Dane Hallett Petty, they've looked better. And I think they did look the best they've looked in this game, but it's not saying a lot against a TARS team that could be the worst in the competition. We're not quite sure at the moment, but beating them narrowly is not <laughs> it's not a huge thing to be proud yeah, of at yeah. home. I think there's a risk here that they get a little too buoyant from this performance. They get you know, it's good that they they, they might won the need game. some confidence, I think. Yeah, and I think that's a relief to Vessels because you could even see in the pre-match kind of interviews, he was he looks uptight, he looks stressed. He was a guy before that you'd go to, plenty of confidence, looked relaxed, smile on his face. That's all gone now. He's you know he's aging. He's he's a guy that's worried about his job, and he's desperate for wins. And I think that kind of rubs off on the team as well. Look, I, I wish them well, but I like you were probably going to say, Leo, I don't. Know that there's a lot to be um, really buoyant about at this stage. I think I think I don't know if it's all this um, all the uh, players in his side. He sees like different skill sets and wants to try and mix and match. Um, pick a fifteen who suit uh, trying to counter the opponent's strengths. I, I really don't subscribe to that philosophy at all. I don't think you can have like oh we've got. You know, another a different second row in to be to make our line out a bit stronger, our scrum a bit mm. stronger, and we pick a different array of back rowers because we need to counter the ruck a bit more today. Then we need a bit more ball running. Like the good teams aren't rotating players in and out with an with a, you know That's adjusted it. game plan based on the players that they're facing. The good yeah. teams just put out the same fifteen. They know each other super well. They're not necessarily all jacks of all trades. Like they all bring their specialties, but they understand where their weaknesses are, and they, and I think they play in a manner which protects their weaknesses from being exposed. So if you're weak at the ruck and you're playing against the Lions, how about you don't run your first up forward ball runner at Manus Skoman every phase, because he's their only threat. So isolate him away from the the ruck contest. And you know, and then then you won't get exposed. I, I don't think we're that smart. I think we think, oh, we'll, we'll have to send another fetcher at him, and we're compromising somewhere else with this rebel side. I, I just march rather than pick and stick, put up with a bit of flack, put up with a bit of heat, trust that they're picking their best fifteen, and let the combinations develop. It mm. only happens at the pace of game day if you allow them to stick together week after week after week, go through some tough times, find a bit of resolve. Mm-hmm. And you know, eventually it'll come. If they, if you've got the right squad and you're developing them week to week in training, it will come on game day. It mm-hmm. doesn't come from constant rotation. I like the way their their backline was operating at parts in this game. And interesting that Hodge goes off, Kellaway is able to swoop on those tries. You wonder now, it gives him another selection headache on the backline. Hodge, just... Hodge is literally the same problem that we keep bringing up with, like, Hooper. He's a guy that's so talented that you want to have him on the field, but you don't really he quite know where utility. he... Yeah, yeah. He, you don't know where he fits. And, and so you go, detriment. he's 13, and then you're like, I don't know about this. We want to try again. Wait, I'll put him on the wing. Oh, this other guy they comes just... on and finishes better. It's like, ah. Uh. 
the Wallabies have the same problem. They're like, oh, look, he's he's a guy with so much potential. We, we want to always have him in the 15 or in the 23. Yeah. So they just throw him in where they need to fix, you know, fix a problem. Um, I'm a fan of having specialist wingers. I think Korobidi and Kellaway are a great complement to each other. I, I've been impressed with DHP. I think in this game they were talking about how he had uh, the most meters after contact of any player in Super Rugby thus far this season. Mm. He's actually looking pretty pretty fast, pretty fresh, um, nimble-footed. I'd, I've been impressed with his play. Um, Billy Meeks, again, it's like he has the potential but never quite puts two or three games together. You see glimpses. Yeah. Um, but he seems to be enjoying playing with Matt Tamura, I think, yeah. um, this year. They're forming a bit of a combination. Um, 13's probably still up in the air. You could see Tom English come back into that. Campbell Magne has the body and has the, the physicality for that role, but whether he stays there long-term, who knows. I think the back line, pretty good shape if they can get things moving, particularly with Lawrence there. It seems like he operates with some I think Lawrence, yeah. And he's a bit more that he's going to take control and do a bit of playmaking and hit some runners wide yeah. by himself. He's not just going to hit Tamua, which I don't think he yeah. can put too much on Tamua um, just to even, create everything. Even their reserve nine name escapes me at the moment, but that last pass to Kellaway, that bullet, pretty good option. Like For a guy that's come on five minutes later, he does that. Yeah, um, particularly when impressive. he didn't even think he was playing in this game. Gets called yeah. up late. Um, I think he's fourth, fourth string Yeah, after Tuttle. Was, um, I know Tuttle's had some injuries, but... Strang. Theo Strang, Strang is his yeah. name. Yeah. It's, um, look, I think, again, Rebels' plethora of back rowers, similar to the Tars, type five, not quite up to the standard. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's the takeaway. That's, that's the Ron story. Smith often struggles at tight head. Like, he just looks uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and he was getting shown up by Bell early on in this game. Didn't quite stay that way throughout, but having a, a weaker tight head, um, loose head rotating through, Rangi's toiling away. But again, I think that tight five, apart from, say, Philip, who's the standout, yeah. that's an issue for him, um, similar to the task. So good matchup between these teams because I think they are quite similar. They have similar strengths. It's just a... Um, <laughs> But yeah, not not teams that necessarily want to watch play rugby for an entertaining game. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna call us up there, and we'll we'll quickly duck up north to the Six Nations, and because we've had a week off from them, but we have a round coming up, and then we'll come back and preview uh, round five of Super Rugby because there's some really big matchups coming up in that. But in terms of the Six Nations, we've got Italy versus Scotland down there in Rome, and I think word was Parise may get picked for this one. Um, Wales are hosting France in Principality and probably the biggest game, England hosting Ireland in Twickenham. Mm, those last two, pretty tasty. Very tasty. I don't know if Parise was coming back for this one or they were going to line it up for that England game, but he's going to get some sort of um, send-off from his home home crowd, so that's that's good, seeing as though we thought he may not feature at all in this Six Nations. Yeah. Yeah, that's a nice touch. That that should ha- uh, should have happened. He's he's deserving of that. Um, for me, the crux one here: if France beat Wales in Cardiff, shoe in. Bam! I'm calling it. That's my oh, boys. Box seat for sure. It's three three tough games on the bounce though, having Wales, Scotland, and then Ireland. Yeah, I know this is the one away from home that you got to watch watch out for. But um, wouldn't you love to see them go through? I mean. France is generally not the team that I'm I'm cheering for, but it's if they can display someone like England from winning a Six Nations, um, yeah, it's I think, um, I think it's they look like cool. a more a young dynamic team who's you know developing their own style. They're not just yeah you know the the dodgy grubs that we we used to think of. You know that's probably a 15 year old stereotype anyway. Um, that's a similar stereotype that. The Pumas had as well, actually, and they yeah. brought their play into a more yeah. entertaining and precise, dynamic um, sphere. So France doing a similar thing, and it took a, a a good coaching change to actually make that happen. Mm. But it's really paying dividends, and again, a team you want to watch. So. Yeah. 
Great to see. So, um, so is anyone tipping um, Wales in that? Everyone's pretty on up on France there. Uh, I think I'm taking Wales. You take yeah. Wales? Yeah, I take Wales at home. I think they'd... Look, if France play the way they did against England, France will win. I'm just not sure they'll do that away from home, away from their home fans. Uh, over there in Cardiff, it's a, it's a bit of a cauldron. The Welsh fans really get behind their team. It's an intimidating place to go and play. And Wales have the ability to grind out games. I could see that here. Um, yeah. But let's hope it's a bit of a spectacle. But I'll, take, I'll probably take Wales. Fair enough. Yeah, very different um, run into this. Like you've got Wales who've had a, had a strong home win and then an away loss to, a, to a, um, an Irish team who you know, are in reasonable form thus far. Um, they're going to be itching for a bounce-back win, whereas you've got the, the French who've had two home games. They've come off the big high of, of England. They've conceded 22 points to Italy at home. So not a great sign there. They haven't really held the Italians out like the Welsh did to nil. And now they've got to lift, find the energy to beat Wales. So I think I would be on Wales as well, to be honest. But I think it's a great opportunity for this French team to sort of show show what they're made of, show their character. Um, I would like to see them win, but I, I believe the, the more likely outcome is that Wales come away with a win. Nah, come on, the French, Le Bleu. They took down England. I said it before. They'll do it this time again. Take down the reigning Six Nations champions. Um, what about England versus Ireland at Twickenham? That's always a, a good shout-out. Um, not falling on St. Patrick's Day this year, as we've had it in previous years. Um, but still, the Irish will be out in force um, to try and um, drown out those English voices, even at Twickenham. Again, a team that's... Um... Yeah, they're undefeated, aren't they, Ireland, so far in the in the campaign. And That's right. They need to beat England to keep this going. I think they may do it. England look a bit rusty. Um, I I had predicted they'd come out firing after the, the World Cup loss, the final loss, obviously, under Eddie Jones. He hasn't been able to do that. He hasn't been able to inspire them to play like they were last year. Um, barely got past Scotland, really, in a pretty... Shocking game. Yeah. So I think Ireland are poised here to take down England at home and potentially, if France are to win as well, set up a bit of a duel for the title there. Yeah, definitely. I'd, I'm going to tip I'm gonna tip England in this one just because I don't think I can split these two teams. I think England at home, I'll give them the edge. Um, Ireland coming in off two good games, but their first away game, once again, they have to lift and play a very strong team away from home. Yeah. Um, I, th- I, th- I think, and again... And England's this, first this... home game as well. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's right. For England and Wales, if they get away with the win here, it basically ties up all four of these teams, Wales, France, England, and Ireland, with a couple of wins apiece. So it gets very congested on the table if that happens. But, look, I think that's probably the most likely outcome that the home teams here um, hold out. They're, they're strong rivals just just based on, um, you know, that, that comfort at home. And these two teams haven't been challenged uh, as much as yet. Um, I think I think the Irish playing away from home against this, one of the strongest opponents is going to be too tough. Yeah. Italy won't win, though. Home team, no. <laughs> Italy, no. <laughs> Italy, no. Well, no. Scotland are decent. Sc- Scotland have also had their troubles, but... I'll tip Italy just for fun. It won't happen. If Stuart Hogg is dropping the ball, if Hoggy can score well, a if, try, yeah, if Hogg, if, score two tries and they'll farewell him and that'll be Italy's last win. They won't win for another decade. <laughs> uh, all right, let's jump into Super Rugby um, and round four coming up and it's going to be another couple of interesting games here. Um, first of all, though, we would like to congratulate uh, who came first tipping in the running rugby pod pool um, last weekend? And my my, who's this? This is this guy. It's uh oh, it's it's me. I I took it out. Um, thank you very much. Not quite top of the table as yet, um, but I'm coming for you, G J H Bell. Um, only only I think point eight points behind. Yeah, Arch, well done, mate. You've, you both, you and Leah, have had a pretty good start to the season. I can't say the same about myself. I've been tipping margins far too low. 
Um, I've been thinking these games are a lot closer than they actually are. I need to make an adjustment, obviously. Um, mm. Don't know. Don't know what I'm doing differently to previous years, but it's not working for me. <laughs> well, well, here's your week to... Maybe to, that dog has the answer. Yeah, that dog seems to know more than you. <laughs> Go get it, mate. Go get it. Um, so here's your chance to bring it around. So we start on Friday night. Only one Friday game this week, and that's the Crusaders at home hosting the Highlanders. Um, obviously, both coming off wins last week. Um, the Crusaders probably a lot more convincing, and you'd expect um, them to get home versus the Highlanders reasonably comfortable. The Southern Classic. I think it's um, the Crusaders, again, poised for another win, depending on their, their team sheet. Highlanders weren't too bad against the Brumbies, but I, I really do think Brumbies should have won that game. I think a late yellow to Murray Douglas really derailed them. Um Crusaders should do this pretty easily. I still think Highlanders and Blues will be fighting it out for the bottom of that conference and the Crusaders are cruising. So another win to them, I think. Yeah, I'm on the same. Uh, Crusaders only lost narrowly to the Chiefs. Yeah, Highlanders have only won at the last moment to the Brumbies. And again, lots of change in the Highlanders. We know this. We know they're developing their new combinations. Crusaders just looking like the juggernaut that they always are maybe not quite as many points so far this season but just so steady another another brumbies-esque team they're just going to maintain their poise and uh, i think they'll keep the highlanders well and truly contained highlanders will be without uh winger um nareki who um though he got the yellow card last week for a high tackle on banks has now been suspended for three weeks um because of that offense um it's been upgraded to a high level um, suspension which he pled guilty to so unfortunate when um, the judiciary have said that he probably deserved a red card in the game and that probably would have had a big outcome in the game as well um, that's a joke by the way that's not a red as I if it's he, not a red I know he made contact with his head that's not a red no way like, he made a direct shoulder contact to Banks's two? face and fa- Banks had like cuts on his nose and was bleeding uh, I don't think that's a red. It's still not a red. Not I think under the new guidelines... Red. No, I think under the new guidelines, it's a red because haven't they taken the whole with force piece out? Well, that means that any any contact with the shoulder of the head whatsoever is a red card, and that's going to run Direct. Ruin the game. Direct contact. Direct, yeah. Well, yeah. It's pretty hard to have direct contact he's, in a tackle he's crouching to the head into it. Force. He's crouching into it. It's more of a shoulder charge, which makes it a little worse. I still think it's only a yellow. I think Can't if anything, reds for that. Well, I think if anything, they're getting stronger and stronger in the punishments on mm. any of these infringements because the the players obviously aren't being dissuaded strongly enough from from lining these guys up and taking shots that are a bit borderline. They need to also why if it's a red card, right? If he had got a red card, are they saying the suspension would have been? Do you get an automatic suspension for a week? And then they put weeks on top of that. Is that how it works? I'm a little bit unclear. So, yeah. So, they look at each individual incident and there's something now that any um, thing that's associated with direct contact to the head goes to a moderate to high level um, incident, which is a minimum of six weeks. And because he played... Minimum? Yep. Minimum of six weeks for a red card. Because, no, not for a red card, for incidents involving, like, high tackles um, involving direct contact to the head. But and because okay. he so pled guilty to it, he got that um, halved pretty Jeez. much down to three weeks. But does a red card always guarantee that you're going to miss the next game? Is my question as well. I know in football know it does. You miss a I don't game. Know if it's written that way. But it seems it's not, like it's, it's pretty certain. Yeah, it's not written at, that it, you have There's to. No I believe. Hard and fast rules on no, that. and but I believe they often take into account wonder. if you miss the majority of a game with your red card, that they almost take that into account as your sort of one one week of suspension anyway. Yeah, or if you play a club game. Oh, yeah, they'll let anyone around it. Really, they've just shown um, how many loopholes they have there and how many ways that refs now have into talking to them, talking themselves into the fact that uh, there's no conclusive direct contact to the head. And you're like, that's directly smacked him in the face, but okay. Uh, so oh, he's, he's risen yeah. up a little bit. Anyway, we're off topic. 
we're all taking the Crusaders <clears throat> to win that first one um, against the Highlanders, yeah. and I dare say um, we'll be tipping some some bigger margins for this week, Topes. I guess. Look, I don't know. Again, it could be the Highlanders stepping up, and this is a seven-point game. I think the line's probably going to be in 12, but, yeah, look. I look at the gambling should... markets. Maybe I should stop. You should tip in my seven, Toby. That's... That's a good tip. All right, what's next, guys? Shall we jump to the Rebels um, still at home hosting the Sharks that are obviously trying to continue to get get a few points on this tour tour away, um, third weekend now? Tough game. This is, you know, the Sharks aren't, aren't a joke at all. They're, um, oh, I thought they're you were saying this is like well. a tough game to pick. I don't think it's that tough. <sighs> I think it is tough to pick, to be honest. I'm with Toby. I, think it's, I think it's really tough to pick, particularly if you were talking about the Sharks with some of their injuries. I don't know if they're going to linger to this week, but, mate, I might take the Rebels. I think I'll take the Rebels here. Yeah. Um, it's not an easy pick at all. I think the Sharks could do it. I think the Rebels could do it. I think it's – if this was in South Africa, no question, Sharks. But in Melbourne, if it's better weather, Rebels have slight buoyancy from their win. Definitely think they can do it. Forecast is for better weather. So, uh, look on a dry track with with the injuries uh, overcome and returning. I actually, I actually have the sharks in this one. I I just have that little faith in the rebels. Yeah. Um. I th- I think the sharks can continue their strong tour pending those got those injuries um, not being too severe. If they're depleted by injury, it it definitely evens this one up. And I think you know the mm. rebels will. It's it's almost a confidence thing. The rebels will feel confident if they see a depleted sharks, and I think that that mental edge might might help them. I, I don't think it'll happen if they're at full strength. Sharks are favoured by the bookies by one point arch, so they agree that it is a tight matchup. <laughs> That's just That's exactly they what I currently got my tip at. <laughs> yeah, um, I I just just don't think that the rebels are going to compete. I mean, the sharks forwards have shown that they're. Um, They've shown a fair bit of mongrel. They're fast and they're willing to um, put some big hits on Hiram Aaron Andrews. And um, their Tyler Paul in there at seven for the Sharks was really big, as well as um, Notchay there at number eight. Um, they lost young Chamberlain early in the Hurricanes game, but um, their, their other young guy, Nahumba, who um, came on, was really dynamic. And I think even if it falls to him to start, but if they get Kerwin Bosch back, there's no way that I think. I don't see any way that the Rebels win this. Yeah. I have a follow-up question for you, Arch, though. Do you still proudly wear your Rebel shorts around Auckland? Is that something you're prepared to do this year? Unfortunately, I actually left my Rebel shorts back in Australia. Good timing. I know, it's really unfortunate. Just bank them for about four years. I've got um, got my Tars jersey here. I've got my Tars jersey. I... Have to say, I haven't worn that either. Um, <laughs> but I will. I will be wearing my Brumbies Pacifica jersey um, when the Brumbies come to play the Blues. Don't you worry. Yes, mate. Don't you are just... so well prepared for whatever any season <laughs> gives. You'll always have something. Oh, I the suppose if the Reds get boy. on top, like I think, I'll, I'll be the only one with a Reds kit. So <laughs> it's like NFL. He has kit from Four many teams. different teams. <laughs> it's always good to be prepared. All right. Anyway, let's keep going. Chiefs, Brumbies. Chiefs back at home. Brumbies finally going on the road. Chiefs, obviously, the one of two undefeated teams um, in Super Rugby so in this year. Game of the round, for sure, in my opinion. Um, Got to take the Chiefs, though. Unfortunately, I think the Brumbies will really give it, give it to them over there, but too hard to go past the Chiefs at this stage. Yeah. You'd have to think they're going to pick a, a strong lineup for this one, having rested some guys against the Sunwolves. Um, yeah. And although the travel will be a factor, uh, I think, yeah, they're, they're the form team. I'm going with them. Mm. Yeah, it stings a bit, but, you know, they've had some very strong wins on tour. They've, they've played the Blues and had 37-odd points. Uh, they've managed to beat the Crusaders at home. I think it was 25-12. to 12. And last week, again, another big, big win against the Sunwolves away from home. So no reason to think they can't pile on the points here at home. And, 
as resolute and, and strong as the Brumbies are, um, I think they'll give it a good shot. But I think this is just a, a bridge too far mm. for them for, against a strong New Zealand outfit, one of the strongest outfits in the in the competition at the moment. Yeah, I think the Brumbies will put up um, some fight. I think they have a forward pack that can keep it tight. And if they focus this game around the set piece and they don't sort of let the Chiefs forwards, who's a very mobile pack, run them around too much, I think that'll benefit the Brumbies. I, I do hope that Aray Simone gets back for this game as well because, as I said, I think he helps Noah Lalesio a lot. Yeah, absolutely. This, this to me, at this stage of the season, just when we talk about teams with character and a bit of a persona, I would never tip the Waratahs to be, in any circumstance, able to win this game. But I think this is one where, at this point in the season, the Brumbies have shown us um, they've got some capability, they've got some good young players. This could be the turning point for them, or th- this could be a real sort of show of strength if they can pull an away win against a good Chiefs team. I think that's a team, an Australian team, showing that's got the mental strength mm. to to see out 80 minutes against a good opponent. Um, I just, I just don't think that's, uh, I don't think that exists in the Rebels and the Waratahs, which is why it's so hard to to tip for them or, or like them this season. Um, I think the Brumbies, I think they have that in them. Uh, it'd be a really good, really good sign if they if they did do it this week. But I, I think it's going to be too big an ask. Next, we have Reds versus the Sunwolves. Reds finally getting a home game this year um, up there at Suncorp, returning from Argentina. And you said it, Leah. This is another team that has character. And the Sunwolves are probably a team as well that have a really set way they play and are really embracing sort of the style than which their strengths and. I think this is going to be a, um, a real cracking game. I'm, I'm worried about the Reds being able to hold hold down this Sunwolves team. Oh, I'm not hey, worried about that. No, but but I do think it'll be an entertaining open open game. I think um, the Reds again have that in their repertoire to throw the ball around, uh, attack all over the field, and and the Sunwolves we know their style at the moment really is just throw everything they've got out there and, and don't be afraid to try some of the higher risk, lower, uh, or the longer shots. Um, I think Brad Thorne will have to probably coach his guys through the week and just keep them keep them ground and say, look, this game could turn into a bit of a frenzy, a lot of ball flying around. Don't buy into it. There's going to be times we need to hold the ball and just suffocate, and then there will be opportunities to open play up and, and fling it around and, and score some points. So I think it'll be a very entertaining game. The Reds just need to stay steady in their defensive line, but they've, they've definitely shown that in the first three rounds. I, I tip the Reds um, to have a, a solid win by the end of the 80 minutes. Yeah, totally agree. I, You know, the, the Summers are frisky. We know that. They've um, got a bit of fight in them. Uh, they're, um, you never know what you're going to get on the day. I just think the Reds have had a very strong first three games, even though they haven't got any results out of it. Impressive against the Lions. Again, impressive in particularly just the probably just the first half, really, against the Jaguars. But if they play like they did in that first half against the Jaguars, they, they look like a Kiwi team. They had the intensity going. They were just popping little offloads, keeping the ball, um, you know, really tight as well. And I just think that, I don't know, they, this is their game, I think. This is the game where they really emerge... Um, and put some points down, I think. This is where they come back from tour and make a statement. And one thing I forgot to mention, it's a good game to bring some of the smaller but more skillful bodies back in, um, where they've been on tour in South Africa and maybe felt like they needed to, to, to protect the Isaac Lucas. Um, Amy Stewart, I thought, stood up quite well in these last couple of weeks, defending at 12, but uh, if you're going to put Isaac Lucas back in there at 10, and and revert to that. Oh. James O'Connell looked real good. Oh, on the he looked really good. Yeah, yeah. but I, I wonder mean, if that. Oh. I wonder if that's been a, an option for these bigger sides, and whether it's what Brad Thorne wants long term. Mm. So it, this, this is a week. Fifteen, man. Yeah. I think oh, maybe, maybe, but that's what I mean. You can bring these guys in the, without the fear of them getting rolled yeah. by big bodies. Considering they also, put Jock Campbell at fifteen on versus the Haguaras, who played reasonably well, but he looked good. Yeah. He's, he's like, impressive. Where are these guys well. coming from? And how about Hunter Paisami? 
bloody yeah. steps oh, yeah. up for Jordan Patea and just absolutely dominate. Like has more of an impact than Patea's had um, in his first two games of the season. This is all this is it. what reminded me of like a Chiefs team where their thirteens like, oh, we've never seen him before. Bang, just straight into it. Like hard lines. Yeah. Um, looks like he's been playing there for three years. Um, so very impressed with the way that the Reds have been coached. Um, they're hard in defense. They missed three tackles or four tackles in the whole game against the Jaguars. Yeah. Sure, go on. But I think this is a team with a lot of potential. I just hope they can bring it together. I'm very excited to see this performance. Mm. Hopefully they're not too jet lagged um, and there's, they're not carrying too many injuries. Well, I've, been checking um they luckily didn't get rerouted through london um a la 2019 sure. the reds so that's that's a bonus for them they would have got home pretty succinctly um we'll move on and this is probably what i might tip as the game of the round i mean it's not any of the australian or kiwi teams but it's the stormers versus the Haguaras down there in cape town two of the teams that we probably think are the strongest um in that south african conference uh, last year's grand finals in the Haguaros versus a uh, team littered with Springboks in the Stormers. It's the Springboks versus the Pumas for, I mean, for a big part of it. There's, it, there's yeah. a lot in there, and, and I think the World Cup uh, the World Cup holders will, will hold this one out. I think it will be close because I don't think the Stormers have uh, immense attacking chops, um, but I, I think that they'll score enough points to hold out the Hags here. Yeah, I think, look, if it was in BA, I might be tempted to take the Jaguares. Um, but after a physical game with the Reds, Storm is only narrowing, narrowly getting over the Lions. But having said that, I think good teams like this, they win the narrow games, they win the tough games. This is one of those, I think, Stormers by three. Fair enough. I, I have to agree. I think, yeah, Stormers at New Orleans, it's a team that's always going to play play you very tough. And it's it's the same as the Lions at Emirates Park. Um, that It's never an easy game. But the Stormers do just have the pedigree now where they tend to finish off this game. Um, these kind of games, uh, I hope to see Herschel Yangtze's back um, for this one. Obviously missed the one against the Lions. I think that does um, hurt them a little bit. But um, if he's there, pairing with Dan Villemsa, yeah, Stormers look like they have the goods. Um, and then we'll go to the final game of the round, and that's the Bulls and the Blues. Um, Bulls obviously coming off um, a bye, and the Blues starting their South African tour. This is a hard one. I find this one challenging um, to analyse because how much how much of a benefit do you give the Bulls coming off a bye, being fresh, knowing their opponent, being able to just prepare for a couple of weeks playing at home, all those things add up. But the Blues have, have you know, looked all right. They've Obviously, they got their win against a pretty hopeless, hapless Waratahs, but they looked competitive at times against the Chiefs in round one. Um, Pair of feathers looked capable? real good at 10. Yeah, like, I think there's definitely potential there. Um, if, they're, if, if I wanted to spin it one way, I might say that they're only just going on tour. They're going to bring energy. They're still fresh. Uh, it's still, you know, still excitement of being away from home somewhere new, um, bringing it to a team who, you know, haven't looked very impressive. You contain um, contain the, the kicking opportunities, minimise your uh, transgressions in your half so they don't get too many pot shots. And I actually think I'm going to go the Blues in this one. I, I think the I'm going to spin it as a positive for the Blues that they're starting their tour with energy. And to be honest, even with a prep, for Fortnite, the, the Bulls just haven't looked like anything special at all. Yeah, tough one to call for sure. Um, I think I agree with that, that sentiment, Lee. I think the Blues... Very convincing. Uh, no, honestly, I think the Blues underrated a little bit, um, even though they're they're winless. Oh, no, sorry, they have one win, don't they? Wait, yeah, they, they beat the Tars, man. <laughs> they beat the sorry. Tars, but I, yeah, I can I see how you don't give it a whole lot of emphasis as like, they got two. They two losses. Anyone and a, can do that. And a, and a, and a forfeit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, Bulls are winless. Blues have won. Blues are just a better team. If you look on paper, I just think they're a better team. It's a little bit worrying that they're playing away at altitude. Um, that is always a factor. But Blues just have more talent, more try scoring ability in that backline. 
Um, yeah, I'm going to take them narrowly. Not sure on the margin. I'd say it'd be within five points, though. I reckon it'll be a close one. Tip in the home, the your 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 home team, Arch. Not the home team, but your adopted Auckland Blues. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a hard one, eh? And like, the thing is, the Blues definitely have more talent, and they're a more entertaining team to watch. But they're also a team that does give away a lot of penalties. And if there's one thing we know that the Bulls are going to do with Mornay Stain, it's just kick a whole bunch of penalties. Um, so, yeah, look, it's a really tough one to call. I think if the Bulls just pick their standard lineup with Mornay Stain, I probably would be more tempted to just take the Blues. Um, if they if they look like they're making a bit of a change, and I keep saying this guy's name, Marnie LeBlanc, um, if they give him a bit of a shot, I think he can still unlock um, this Bulls team that, while they don't have quite the same forwards around, they do have some really interesting backs and a lot of speed out wide that could cause some trouble. So I'll have to wait for the lineup. But yeah, if it's standard, steady as she goes, Mornay staying, then I'd, I'm taking the Blues. That about wraps it up for us for round four, boys. Um, I am I am liking the new deep dives of our our analysis. I'm not sure it's actually shortened the podcast too much either, um, but I think it is is a good way to change it up a bit. As long as the fans like it, Arch, we get a positive response. Uh, don't don't go too long, but we'll vary it up each week to which teams we look at. And uh, I like that this week we're we're looking to the South African Conference. Trying to trying to get out of the doldrums of the Australian conference where the Waratahs just cannot provide us any love. Exactly, exactly. Um, but that's it for this week. Let's wrap it up. Um, as always, you can find all our content, all our past um, pods on Spotify, on Apple iTunes. Um, you can go listen to back when Toby's made some of that terrible, terrible picks, or you can go back and listen to. I'm pretty sure I brought up Ryan Lawrence back when the Force were getting kicked out two years ago, so you can deep dive into them if you really want to. Otherwise, you'll see all that extra content um, getting put up on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod and Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast, um, and there'll be lots more updates coming through the week when we finally get these lineups um, away. Uh, if you have anything to say about the new um, way we're doing things, feel free to tweet us or hit us up on any of those social media pages as well. Um, But another big week ahead. We'll be back next week. Until then, boys, keep on running. Run.